Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time, and man, do we have an awesome show for you today. I am really, really excited because I've got two of my favorite people, two of your favorite people in the hunting industry. And if they're not two of your favorite people, they're going to be by the time you finish this week's episode. It's Ralph and Vicki from Archer's Choice Media. Hi guys, how you doing? Hey, brother, how are you? Oh, I am doing- out there east. Back east, it was uh, thunderstorms this morning, which probably makes you jealous because I know you guys have been having wildfires and lots of smoke in Colorado. Lots of smoke in Colorado. All I mean, I feel so bad for everyone down in New Mexico because, I mean, the entire state is just about burning. I swear to you, and all that smoke comes straight up to us. I don't know where you have you been following. They're shutting down a whole lot of national forests. Yeah. So we've got to let everybody make, make a point to be aware of you might lose your elk season this year down there. There's three or four that are already shut down. Carson when, National Forest, yep. Santa Fe, there's like one or two other ones. And right now the Gila had uh, Lincoln National Lincoln. Forest is shut down, but the Gila is actually got really strict um, restrictions right now. So, and they're shut down to like the end of December. Oh, that is crazy. I'll tell you what, the were. The whole world is crazy, and we are going to talk about some crazy stuff in in the elk woods, and we're going to talk about some crazy stuff in the world. But, I mean, yeah, you look at the world, wildfires in a lot of the West, and then the other half of the West has raging floods, and the Yellowstone River is washing houses into the water. Totally crazy, which, strangely enough, everybody wanted – a lot of snow and a great snowpack because they need the water, right? So what do we get? We got historic snowpack, like 175, 200% of normal this past winter. And now that's causing devastating flooding. So like, man, if it isn't feast, it's famine, right? You're not kidding. You're absolutely right. We could definitely use some rain down here in Southern Colorado. I'm telling you that. But let us all face one or, or, you know, realize one thing. It ain't up to us. (laughs) No, it's not up to us. And and then and and that's what we're going to talk about. And speaking of up to him, right? I, I said right before we started recording, there's no coincidences because UPS came to my door. You guys have been shooting Hoyt forever, right? I've got an awesome elk hunt, you know, knock on wood, Lord willing, right? Eastern Montana this fall. And I am going to be shooting this new Carbon RX-7. It just showed up at my door today. So I literally ripped it out of the box. I put it in my bow vise here. I can't wait to set this up. I've got my brand new Redworks hat that Look came in the box. You. So I'm repping for Ralph and Vicky today. And <laughs> why don't you... I only drew this thing one time out in the driveway. You know, it doesn't have a rest or anything on it. Tell me how much I'm going to love this bow, guys. Well... I'll tell you what, something that we fell in love with 30 years ago was you shoot a Hoyt and it doesn't move. It does not move in your hand. And and to us, you know, Hoyt's a hunting bow. And we want a bow, you know, good speed, more than anything, real forgiving and super quiet. And durable. Oh, durable. Durable. I mean, because she quit. don't take care of nothing. I'm telling you right now. I am so rough on my equipment. I I you know what? For the longest time, 
you know, would you have me shoot FMJs? Yes. FMJs. Yep. I can't shoot anything no. with aluminum in them because I used to shoot beans all the time. So when I go take a, an arrow out of the target, I'm doing this to oh. get out of a target. Mm. And no, I'm back to the four millimeter uh, Easton's like pure carbon because I can't bend them. I put my bow down on the ground on top of the quiver. I bend arrows. I'm I'm really hard on the equipment. But on the plus side, my and then equipment she blames lasts. me. Well, no, it's because you take it. He tries to tweak my equipment, and I don't like that. Well, I just try to fix it. No, you tweak well, it. I tell you, actually, it's funny you mentioned, like, the, the stability and how they don't move because, you know, Hoyt's got this little, I mean, little dinky thing. They call it the shortstop stabilizer, right? Shortstop, baby. It's, it's for guys like me and Ralph, you know, yeah. that are the sub. <laughs> it's the sub. Rough. The sub five foot ten crowd deserves a little stabilizer built for our specifications. But even when I drew it out in the driveway, it did feel like, man, this bow's going to be really steady in in my hand with nothing on it, you know. So I I can't wait to like I said, I got to throw a rest on there and the sight, and I'm going to get that dialed in in the next couple of days and get out this weekend and start shooting and get ready for that hunt. But other thing I wanted to touch on, you talked about back east. You know, a lot of people probably know, some people don't know, because I think, I mean, I know you guys do everything and you travel around the world and you like you're known for bear hunting and this and that. But you guys are white. I mean, in my mind, still to this day, right, you've lived in Illinois for so long. You're whitetail. <laughs> you're whitetail, people. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk some elk hunting today, but why don't you just give people a quick a quick, you know, update as to what you're up to these days in terms of your life. Obviously, you made the big move from Illinois to Colorado not too long ago. You're probably going to be doing, you know, a lot more chasing of elk and mule deer than than whitetails, which you had done for probably 30, 40 years really, really heavily. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy as we were, you know, born and raised Illinois, Midwest got, you know, girls and guys and, and loved it. Everything about it, you know, where we lived. In, in Lanark, out of Lanark, Illinois, you know, we had deer, we had turkeys in our front and backyard. It was phenomenal, yep. you know, and growing up with, and, and then having RJ and having him experience that and witness that and, and us to share it as a family w was incredible. And, and we love whitetails. We do. And I, we're still going to be hunting whitetails, even though we now live in the land of elk and oh. muleys and black bears and Merriam turkeys. And what did you say? You got a picture of a mountain lion on the trail yeah, camera yep. and a bobcat also. Yeah. I mean, we, we have bears coming downstairs, basically knocking on our doors. It's kind of funny. I'll give you some dating in the, in the mid, mid eighties. You know, I, I came out West, hunted my first, you know, had my first elk Remember hunt. those old movies go West young man. Oh yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't tweaking her equipment no more, but you know, I, I mean, the thing was, it's just elk hunting got in my heart and soul. And then when Vicky, you know, she came out and she realized it, it, we always wanted to, you know, to, to someday possibly move out west, but you know, just things didn't happen. And then and all of a mountains. sudden, yeah, mountains Love instead it. of cornfields. Now, don't get me wrong; we don't want to run up them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll no, walk. I don't run up. We will walk, but yes, but we love it. We we love every aspect. You wake up and you look at the scenes that we see, and you look at the sunrise or the sunset on a mountaintop. You got to pinch yourself. We actually went from like 900 feet above sea level in Illinois. We are now sitting right now yeah. at 7,600 feet above sea level. That's so we'll be awesome. set, Yeah, we're going to be set this fall for all the elk hunts, though, because now we're used to this oxygen and we're good. 
It's like super training. When you go back east to low elevation, <laughs> yes. you can like set 12 tree stands a day and not even break right. a sweat. And be done. Yes, yes. <laughs> but now just admit it though, you really miss the humidity from, from back no. in the Nope, zero not at all. Zero. <laughs> in fact, it does this kind of crazy people freak out on this one. We don't have air conditioning in our house here. No. It is 90 degrees that, outside. You know what? Here. That's good because there may not be any electricity this <laughs> summer. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. 90 degrees outside this home that we bought. Um my gosh, I think the hottest it's been since we've had it for a year is maybe 80 inside of it. There's always a breeze out on the yeah. bridge here. And every night yep. it gets down in the 50s. So we open the windows up, cool the house down and shut it back up on the hot days. Well, you know, I'm not going to let you tell us any more about this because I'm already <laughs> jealous. And uh, I don't want to be more envious. They say that it's a sin to to covet, you know, what somebody else yeah. has. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. Elk hunting, though. So the genesis of today's show, right, is I reached out to Ralph a couple weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks. And I was like, Ralph, I'm working on our September issue. I really could use another good elk feature. And, you know, I know you're out there doing some elk hunting. You probably got a good story or two. And, and, and Ralph was basically like, Christian, man, I had something really crazy happen to me last season. I've been elk hunting, you know. 20, 30 years, whatever. Never thought something like this would happen to me. And I just can't believe it. And he proceeded to tell me the story, which I'll let you share. But um, I just thought it's really worth, in addition to this article, which will be in our September issue, a conversation, because there are two things, probably more, but two things in particular that I'll just tease and then I'll throw it over to you guys. Um, the power of perseverance, which is a huge part of bow hunting, right? You cannot be a you cannot be a bow hunter of any way, shape, or form, and and not know how to be persistent and overcome obstacles. And the other thing is uh, this whole issue of um, like when you draw blood, you know that's your hunt on outfitted hunts, which has become pretty much standard practice around North America nowadays. And man, even for quote unquote professionals like us, right? That is something that puts some pressure on you and weighs in your hand. And so I kind of set it up, right? I mean, I teased it. So people who are listening are kind of getting, okay, so Ralph had a situation of drawing blood and maybe things didn't go quite according to plan, but that's jumping ahead. Why don't you take us, set the stage, you were heading to Wyoming. I know it's an area that you guys love, an outfitter that you've had a relationship with. Just, just tell your story, my friends. Oh, boy. Well, where, where do we start? I guess we start, um, you know, a few years back, we were fortunate. We got, we drew tags for Wyoming and um, went out to R&K Hunting Company. I, I mean, yep. it was in Queen Mountain in Wyoming. Um, met the people and, and you know how it is. You, you walk into camp the first time you, you're, you have high and you have, you have all types of feelings, some anxiety, cause you're not sure. You, you know what I mean? And you walk in there and first one was driving up to it, huh? The lodge was incredible. Oh, it's a beautiful place. And I mean, R and K has, um, hunting in both Wyoming and, and Utah. Utah. So we were hunting at the Wyoming mm -hmm. side of things. Yep. So, yeah. And, the lodge is huge. It's beautiful, big logs. You when you look when you're driving in, 
you you're you're everything you ever dreamed of about elk terrain. Oh my gosh, the is, quakies, the timber, everything, everything is there. Everything Creeks running, yeah, just pet, every- little open meadows, you know, where you know they got to go down there. They're gonna stand there and bugle at you. I mean, we've been there a couple times. Yeah, now, a few times. And yeah. this last fall, we went down there, and um, RJ actually was with us again, and he shot his bull day For, two, day two or day first day. We get a text. First if, yeah, we get a we get we're up. We we get up high. We're all separated. Oh, yeah, it better yeah. it, it better have been the first day, Vicky, yeah, because was. that's that's the way that Ralph wrote it. So he's that's either making like, I don't want you making stuff up in the magazine. It's old age. It's old age. I ain't saying a word. <laughs> it Not was the first day. RJ shot his bull the very first day. We we get a text because some you know when you're down low in the valleys, you don't have service as you as you hike higher. You know, you're all of a sudden your phone vibrates and and we look and I'm like, no. And it was our, our, RJ's text, big bull down. And I'm like, get out of here. No way. What? And, and you're like, you, you, and you've got, we've got elk bugling. <laughs> you're, you're here. You, you, Rick's my guy. Who, I had Rob. You Rob was Rob. Rob. Yep. And, 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 and I mean, they're, they're on a different, they're, you know, we were pretty far apart. Yeah. We weren't hunting by you. And none of us, to. none of us could get back to RJ. You, you know what I mean? But as parents, more than anything, you're sitting there and you're like, oh. God darn it. You know, I want to be there. And, and just when, when you finally are able to get the service, you get a photo and you see that smile from one of your children. I'm telling you right now, huh? I got, I get goose pimples because it's real. You know, that we all, we all, all of us, you know, all the listeners, all the readers and your subscribers and everything. We all live this 24-7. This isn't something we do. We're not a weekend warrior. None of us. Nope. You know what I mean? And, and every t- you work to what? To hunt. <laughs> and then, you know, you, to share it with your family and then to get your get that text on the first day. Oh, I, I was at, I could I could have walked off the mountain and been done. You, you know what I mean? We were it was a success. Yep. And it was just it, it was awesome. It was awesome. And you, you, you were into elk. Right? I mean, I mean, we were into elk. I just, it was one of those things, you know how it goes. It's like, you think that everything's going just the right way. And then all of a sudden the wind blows, something else happens. Ugh. You know, you're making a stalk, something sees you, you step on a twig or someone steps on a twig, you know how it goes. And <laughs> Cameraman. Then, you know, uh, and then, I, yeah. And then, I know, you know, I know exactly how it goes because I mean, to <laughs> your point, Vicki, I had, Best best elk hunt I ever had was two years ago in Montana, and I never even let an arrow go the whole week. And I swear yeah. to this day, it was the best because it was one of those hunts where from the first morning to the last evening, I was into elk constantly. Right. Right. And even looking back, and you probably think the same thing about last year's hunt for you. You look back over the hunt, you think on it, and you're like, I can't believe I didn't kill an elk on that hunt. I don't even think I could do that again and not kill an elk. You know what I mean? Like it was oh, that good. Oh, absolutely. You know, you have them, they respond, everything comes to be, and all of a sudden the wind shifts or whatever. But the bottom line is, and that's what I think, you know, one of the things we've always stressed is punching that tag isn't everything. No. You know, when you're in when you're in their backyard, whether it's elk, deer, whatever, and, and they're around you and you, you witness all those types of things, it, it doesn't get any better. I, I mean, it really doesn't, you know, and, and that's how this hunt was going. I mean, it was just incredible, you know, and, and then a, a few days later, uh, finally, we had the, we had 
these this herd we were we were hunting we had these two bulls and i mean one was his his bugle was real distinct real raspy and so we come up and we come across this meadow and like rick's like man we got a cup we got a boogie we got to get across it and i'm like yeah this old guy ain't boogieing man <laughs> well you know i'll do us i'll do a trot so i mean we boogied across in a trot you know we boogied across got set up the rick, image in my head right yeah, now is don't it? <laughs> go there He's trotting. Yes, trotting. Okay. And so, so you know what? What's really cool when when you're with an outfit and people that that you're comfortable with, you you don't have to talk. All, everybody's going to do the the right thing at the right moment. You, you know what I mean? And it just clicked. And Rick, as we were going across, he looked at me. He's going. He's pointing. He's going to get down to try to claw those bulls across us. And you know, the big bull comes out. And he he had he heads right to that flat we just crossed, and he just screaming out there. And then I mean, are you like, oh, unbelievable? And then all of a sudden we catch movement coming down. Eddie's to my right. He got he he ended up because when we came across, he just hunkered in some brush, thinking I was going to do that. But you know me, I'm like a little you know ninja, old ninja, you know that that <laughs> crawls through something and has to go to a different point like an idiot. So I go to this. Eddie's way over to my right. This bull comes down and I ranged all my areas and we're calling back and forth. So everything's working. We, we're simulating a, a, like a raspy young bull, but he's got some girls because, you know, you know, that's you don't need to sound like the biggest, baddest bull and scare them off. You know, try to create that curiosity. So as we're doing that talking and he's he's screaming and so is the, the other one out in, out in the sage flat. They're going on and he starts coming down. I range, everything's good. I looked and as I could start seeing him through my prep, through my left eye, I come to full draw, I'm holding that hoit ready and steady. And like, just like I practiced, like everyone practices all season, all off season long. And he, I stopped him at 30, 32 yards or something. And I pulled through just like I normally would. And damn, man, I normally I watch that knock just and you know go right where hopefully you know it's supposed to go and i watched from the knock i watched my fletching dip down and then come stabilize back up and realize that well all that practice in that millisecond from you know hero to zero <laughs> and and i mean i watched the arrow we watched it hit high on the camera too watched it hit high but below the spine again thinking dead zone you, you, you know what i mean so hurried up. We, I call, I quickly called, you know, Rick was calling and we're trying to just stop the bull and he spun around the other bull took off, stopped and looking because he didn't know what was going on. And we searched, man, we searched the rest of that day. Most of the, you know, the next, just trying to locate any sign. And, you know, like in a lot of camps, like you were bringing up Christian, you know, today there's a, you know, if you draw blood, you know, your, your hunt's over because Let's face it, you know, the, they, they, they gave you the opportunity. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You had the that's, opportunity. That's, that's your animal. Yep, yep. that's and, your and animal. That you is your, blood. I drew on that animal. And I got to tell you, I, I did not see the, you know, the branches. Man, when I looked, I think I just, these old eyes, that's why I'm wearing cheaters. You, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't see it. And I, I clearly hit this branch and wow, man, you <laughs> You're you're this high and then you're that low. Um, 
And what do you do? You know, Rick, we, we, we went back to camp, you know, Ted and everybody, Rob, we were all talking and discussing, showed what footage we had and said, listen, got, you know what? And they said, that's your animal. If, if, if you want, you can try to stay on that herd. You, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, how gracious of an outfit could you ask for? You know what I mean? They say you, you can, right. you can maintain, you can stay on your hunt. You could, if you can get that bull. And I mean, we, I couldn't be more thankful. You, you know what I mean? So lo and behold, we, you know, well, we hunted. let's, let's pause yep. there though. Cause I want to, I want to come on a couple of those things yeah. before we move on. Okay. Let's talk about this whole, um, you know, again, that whole you draw blood, that's your animal yep. thing. We Listen, I've been on a bunch of hunts that way. I know you've been on a bunch of hunts that way. So you talked about it. Like when you know, I mean, first, we really should treat every shot that we take in bow hunting like that. Do, but I mean, yeah. when you draw a tag in a special area, like it sounds like that part of Wyoming, really a special hunt. Incredible. This area where I hunt in Montana, really a special hunt. It's not something that you get to do every year. You practice and practice for months leading up to that. And I know it's something that you even mentioned in your article, you know, it was like you were just so crestfallen because it wasn't a far shot. It was 32 yards. You know, it wasn't like you were taking some 80 yard bomb oh, no. on this elk. Okay. <laughs> you released the arrow perfectly when that bowstring, you know, released it felt like, man, that's going to be a dead elk. Oh, and I and, executed it. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and right. so then, you know, you get this deflection, you know, and you didn't mention it just now, but I want you to talk about it, man, because for you, it was like, you actually started wondering, like, am I getting too old? My eyes, you know, are my eyes not good enough to be able to pick out these obstructions? And maybe I shouldn't ever have taken that shot or whatever it is, but see, if it's me, it may be something else. If it's the next person, it may be something else, but it's the doubt, the doubt that creeps oh, yeah. in. And then as a bow hunter, right, you know, I know, Vicky knows confidence, right? I always say confidence kills. When you're yeah. confident, you are deadly. When those doubts start to creep in, oh my gosh, that's a recipe for disaster. You're spot on. I mean, Absolutely. confidence is everything. And it's not only in your shooting ability, but it's in you you personally. And it's also in the group you're with. You, you know what I mean? You could draw off confidence, you know, from others if they're building you up or building up. I mean, it all works as a team effort. And the thing is, is, you know, again, that hero to zero, that's in that millisecond that we all are hunters. And it doesn't even matter bow hunting. Let's talk any hunter. In that moment, when you either follow through on that, on, you know, on squeezing the release right. or squeezing that trigger or whatever it is, you know it. And I, I felt like I, I, I felt that bull's dead. But then when I saw that fletching, you know, my heart sunk because a few things, one, none of us want a wounded animal ever. You, you know what I mean? That's not the intent of, of a, any hunter. But the other thing too, is my hunt's done. It's over. And I screwed up. Every, I got a cameraman. I got all these people relying on me. And you put that pressure on you that I screwed up. You know, the cameraman didn't hit double hitch record button. Which you know happens I, sometimes too. Yes. But yeah. you, you know what I mean? The, did, you know, the, the, alpha, the guy didn't spook the animal. It's, it was me. And, you know, then you start doubting yourself. Your confidence level is at the lowest of low. You start going, 10 years ago, I saw that branch. 
hell, maybe five years ago, I'd have seen the, I, I'd have seen my shooting lane because if, if anybody can relate, I think we all can. And even Vicky, I mean, you visualize your shot right before you shoot. You visualize it because it's called muscle memory. Everything that you've practiced all these, these hours for, you, you do. And when it takes over, you hell, you forget about it. It becomes such a natural thing, but make a bad shot and you remember it from, you know, from this day forward. And honestly, when you do make a bad shot, whether it's like you said, I mean, you hit a branch. So <clears throat> your shot, when you released your shot, it was good, oh. but you hit a branch. But, you know, I mean, if you're shooting and all of a sudden, you know, that maybe you don't have it, your grip just right. Or you're anchoring funny because you're standing in a tree stand or up on a hill or on a rock or something like that. You know, the second you release, if it was a good release or not. Yep. And, you know, in your heart, I mean, if it's a good shot, you know, it's there. You don't remember hitting that that release, that trigger or letting go of the arrows or whatever. But when it's a bad shot, you know exactly what you did the moment you hit that trigger. You know it. You just it's in your heart. You know, you screwed up. You, on the other hand, had a different thing had, going on huh. because it felt good. But that branch was between him and that elk. And that's where it happened. And then then it came on to me again. I started doubting, man, five years ago, 10 years, I'd have seen that. I'd have seen my lane and I would have executed it in that lane. But I didn't. And I pushed it. And, you, you know, I think this go also goes back to. And this isn't to get anyone mad at us or anything. I mean, we live out West now. Okay. Back in the Midwest and Chris, you, 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 Chris, you know, this, that a three pin site will cover your whole season. <laughs> really? One, one probably. For yes, the most yeah. part. It yeah. really will. You, you know, but when you come out West, you're going to extend your distances. And a lot of people don't practice that. And then the, there are some to do, and there are some that are phenomenal archers, way better than us, truly better. You know, can shoot, grab a bow and shoot at 100, 110 yards or 20 yards. That's not how we've ever looked at bow hunting. You know, I, I like bow hunting to me is being in, I mean, where they can hear your heartbeat, where, where they can feel your tenseness, where, where you sit there and they can read that sixth sense like you've never seen. But, you know, at those far distances, they don't have any of that. And, and I, I, I just, I, 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 we personally, you know, I, I love 30, 40 on in. I do. Even though at 31 or two yards, you can muff it up just as good as you can muff it up at 10 yards. Oh yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, okay. Aside from, you know, just the shot. So now you've made the shot, you know, that, why and what happened you know that the hit was you know suboptimal you know to be kind and, and you have no sign and listen you're you're absolutely right what you said right nobody ever wants to wound an animal but if you bow hunt for a lifetime it's going to happen at some point absolutely so most of the people who are listening to the show who have bow hunted for a while. We've all been in your shoes, Ralph. And so now it's like, I've got nothing and not even a drop of blood, not even a tuft of hair. I, I don't know any way to find this animal. You've spent, you know, the entire better part of a day. Um, how do you make that decision and what goes through your head? Because, you know, some hunters are going to look for an animal for, you know, days or a week or even longer, some people are going to say, well, that's it. You know, it's a lost animal. 
Um, I'm thinking more of whitetails here closer to home, right? Like if I go to a farm down the road, let's say I hit a doe. You know, and I can't find that dough and maybe I come back the next day and spend, you know, the morning looking around and I still don't find anything. I might say, well, that's I guess that's it. I don't really know what happened. Maybe I'll go back and hunt. Now, you're in a different situation there and an outfitted situation because that really is just your animal and you've got a couple days left. Maybe you don't have really any choice. But at the same time, knowing you, I kind of feel like, no, Ralph would. Ralph would exhaust all, you know, energy and opportunity to find that animal regardless. Absolutely. Well, you know, like I said earlier, it, it also is, is that gaining confidence from the people around you. It was like Rick and Rob and Ted and all of them and say, hey, don't give up, man. You know what I mean? Look, look, you you guys get out there and, and go look. Get back look. up on that herd. Yep. And, and they, they know the bulls that were in that herd. So all I got to do is go back out there and try to locate them. And that's what we did. You know, and, and I give all the kudos to, to, to your team because, as you know, you know, you, you beat yourself up. When you're not sleeping that that night and the next night, you're not sleeping. You're like, oh, crap. You're walking back and forth. You're trying to figure out, what, you know, what what do you do? And you let all these people down in yourself and you let the animal down. And, and I mean, we, we all gained we all joined forces and we kept kept going on. And to this day, I can tell you right now. Never. Did I expect the outcome that, that happened? Just you know, we're sitting there, the last, the last, and the people, you always say, oh, bull crap, it wasn't the last hour, the last, yes, it was, we were, we, we were about a mile away from where I hit the bull, same valley, huh? So, so, so what day was it that you shot this, like, you remember the day of the week that you shot the, the bull the first I, I time? Or? The third, third day, on okay. five days, it was our fifth day. Okay, then. so, yeah. so, so on the third day, and was it in the morning, like late morning, or? Afternoon. afternoon. Okay. So the afternoon of the third day. So the fourth day, you spent the whole day out there. Looking, nothing. Stayed out now, all day. Now it's the day five. Rick, we got, we got on the herd. We got on the herd and they went into the dark timber and we followed them. And we just figured, all right, they're going to bed. We looked at each other, all, all, Eddie, our camera guy, Rick and I, and we said, we're, we're crashing here. Let's just take a nap and we'll stay here because we know where they're at. And they're either going to go down and come around or they're going to come up this draw. So we just stayed, what, keeping always checking the wind and just we, we, we slept there in the whole nine yards. I mean, it, it was it was awesome. It really was. You, you know what I mean? And so, so as, as we continued this and as we got closer to our last day, you know, things be becoming more somber, you know. And yeah, I was going to say, know, you, you start to feel we've all been there. You start to feel like, oh, I'm not going to find this bull. And I'm just going to go out of here with my tail between my legs. Yep. Yes, sir. You, you know, and then that was the, the feeling. And so we're, we're, we we went down where we last put them to bed that, you know, that, that afternoon or that morning was, you, you know, they went up high and then we, they come, came back in the timber and we didn't want to push him. We didn't want to push him. So we figured, you know, let's, let's give him some time. We went above we camped out a little bit, you know, we had our, our PBJs and just talked and, and I think probably took a couple naps and then we hunkered, we came back down, tried to intercept between and lo and behold, we heard, we heard some bugles and we heard, we started seeing some elk pop up and they were above us. 
We thought they would be below, but they were above us. So we just sat down. And as we're scanning the area and everything else, Rick goes and he's pointing. And I'm like, so I'm looking with my binos and I'm trying to see. And lo and behold, I, I thought it was a deadhead. You know, it, it looked like, it, and, and I think you'll, well, in the article, the pictures there, and even in the video is, it looks like a deadhead bull because the sun was hitting it. And so Rick sneaks over there. He's there for a minute or two and comes back. He goes, it ain't, it, you know, it, it ain't been dead long. Like it's, it's got a skull. Cause that's what would look, you know, look into us for, from where we were. And he goes, no. So Eddie and I go over there and we get to him. And now mind you, we got elk 60 yards above us feeding. And I look. And I bent down, Rick comes, he was, he comes over and I start feeling down along the spine. On the side that it was laying down on. So you couldn't see it. Yep. And sure enough, there, there's my thunderhead hold. It is right where we hit this bull. And I, I, I guess I wasn't a gentleman. I dropped some adjectives that I couldn't believe this just happened. And then, I, I, I mean, we, we hurried up, flipped him over. We inspected him. I mean, checking everything. And, I mean, you could tell he had been in a hell of a fight. So, yeah. <laughs> Just to kind of clarify here is that bull had just died, just. And, but but it wasn't necessarily it wasn't from your arrow. We don't know. It, yeah, it, he got in a fight. He was fighting another bull. They found tying like in the back of his head, a piece of tying from another bull. He had something with his jaw. Yeah, he right? had a tie mark here. He had tie marks in his in his rump. We we hurried up. We heard, you know, just wanted to find out. So possibly save whatever we could, you know, because at that moment, you know, when I realized it was my bull, I dropped to my knees and, and I prayed to God. I thank God because there's no other explanation. None. Yeah. Cause to be clear, to be clear, it wasn't <laughs> like you guys, you know, had followed any kind of a trail to that particular no. spot. It wasn't like this you guys were grid searching the area or something like that no and understand that that when we say it just recently died the meat did not smell the meat was all good we were able to salvage the entire bowl the whole bowl that's what's crazy and, and like as soon as you got up to it you 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 end up going up the mountaintop where you had eddie call something yeah we had and, we, and they got a hold of me because i was already going back to the buggy because it's starting to get dark or not getting dark but it's it's the sun starting to go down we're on our way back to where we were where we got dropped off at and my phone and i'm like what the heck is going on and i look down and i look at rob and i go they found Ralph's bull or Ralph got a bull. I'm not really sure. So he's trying to get a hold of Rick and we're going through this whole thing. And we're like, you know what? They're, let's just go run over there. So we ran over there. Yes, you did. And sure enough, I mean, this bull, it, he's I doubt you can't explain it. It's definitely a God thing. It was, so that, it was insane. I, you know, almost every animal that we shoot, even she shoots or even RJ, I've, it's always been a way of my, I, I have to do an autopsy. You know what I mean? I just have because you learn from from each animal. And each Dr. Shot. Ralph, cardiothoracic yes. surgeon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and I mean, criminal investigator. Wyoming CSI. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? And and so 
as we as we did this, you know, we, we were taking get, get, getting all the meat off, and that arrow had gone in and shot down and took out the lung. But you'd have never known that ever. You, you know what I mean? When you see the well, impact, no, no exit wound, right? Nothing. No, sir. So there was never any bleeding outside of the body. Nope. nope. You know, and, and I mean, what, what, how does this appear 60 yards straight, you know yeah. what I mean, in front of you on your last day? I, I, I just, you, you, know, you know what I mean? And, 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 and again, I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse or a dead elk. <laughs> I mean, but the reality of it is, is, you know, God said, hey, thank you for not giving up. Here's your reward. Well, and I, cry. You, I cry. You know, hey, and I love the fact that you admit that because, <laughs> you, you know, it's an emotional moment because, like you said, I mean, as bow hunters, you have so much respect for those animals. And it's such a privilege to be able to hunt them and to have an opportunity and to have it go the way that you did. And, and again, I keep coming back to like almost every single one of us as your fellow bow hunters, we, we've been there. And, you know, the sad truth is, right, we don't always have the happy ending that you have. And those are the questions that linger in your mind because you always wonder what happened to those animals. Some live, some don't. In your case, like you talked about the fight and, and the, the wounds that the elk had from fighting, like, was it your arrow? Was it the fight? Was it a combination of the two? You know, I mean, it'd be a really interesting, like you could take the theory that, you know, the, having the one lung taken out weakened the bull quite a bit. And then he got beat up real bad. And maybe he overexerted himself and he wasn't able to recover. So maybe, <coughs> excuse me, you actually may owe a big thank you note to some other bull out there right. because he actually finished <laughs> off your bull for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Listen, yeah, very well have. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, you know, you know us, our ego isn't that big, you know, that's why we're telling the story. That's why we're showing it the way it happens because you got to be real, you know, and like, like, like we've all admitted, you know, any hunter is going to experience this at some time in their, in their hunt, in their, in their lifetime. And it's probably sad part is it's, probably not the only time it's going to, you know, you, you know what I mean? And what we have to do is learn from each and every experience and, you know, surround yourself with people that pick you up, not tear you down. Cause you know, it. you've had, you've been in camps and there's that one person, that one, no sayer, no doubter, just full of crap type of guy or girl, whoever, you know, that just is not happy. And they, to me, it's like a cancer in camp and it just brings everybody down. And when you have camps like, like RK and so many other places that you, that all of us, you know, visit and they're just, they bring you up, man, it gives you that much more. Huh? Yes. And, and yeah. Rick and Rob and, and all of them. Just, oh they're, yeah. They're, they're like amazing. That. Well, it's funny because I mean, I think that your story is obviously a great example of, you know, being rewarded for not giving up and persevering. And it's funny because I told you, you know, before we started recording, I said, I actually had something come up today that uh, I wanted to share with you because it ties in with that lesson about how you don't give up. You know, as hunters, 
right? Put yourself in Ralph's shoes, your, your elk hunt. In a perfect world, you wouldn't have hit that branch and your arrow would have gone right into the honey hole. The elk would have run 50 yards, piled up. You'd have been taking hero shots that day and, you know, slapping backs and high fives back at camp that night. And that's how we as humans want our lives to go. Okay. Amen. And, and, but, but that's not life, right? Life is wildfires and floods and, um, divorces and, and, and broken families, you know, <laughs> exactly. And $5 gas. And, and I said, you know, I actually have a good buddy here at home. He's been going through a rough divorce and, uh, you know, lots of issues with the wife, the kids. And he reached out today and, you know, it got me thinking because I was actually getting ready for this podcast and I had just edited your piece and it got me thinking, you know, isn't it interesting how, you know, and it, it, we, again, as people, we want everything to go according to our schedule, but God operates on his own schedule. And it actually, this is a really weird triangulation. So I'm going to triangulate Ralph's elk story, my buddy's divorce, and then this sermon that we had in church last Sunday. But it was just a sermon where the pastor was using the story of Lazarus out of the Bible, okay? And for those of you who don't know the Bible, Lazarus is a man that Jesus brought back to life, right? But Lazarus and Jesus were actually friends. Lazarus and his sisters and Jesus were like best buds, right? They hung out. And so Lazarus gets real sick. And what happens? Well, what would you do if you were real sick and Jesus was one of your best buds, right? You'd say, hey, man, maybe we better call old Jesus. And, and you know, he's hey, working he's working miracles for everybody else. Maybe he's got one in his pocket for me, right? So, so Lazarus's sisters send someone to go tell Jesus, hey, you know, Lazarus, your good, good buddy Lazarus is sick. And you'd think that Jesus would just drop everything and come, right, and be with Lazarus. What does he do? You guys know the story. Jesus just keeps on going about doing what he's doing. He doesn't yep. come. He doesn't come. As a matter of fact, he waits so long that Lazarus dies. Lazarus doesn't just die. Lazarus's body gets prepared and put in the tomb for three days. Now Jesus shows up at Lazarus's house, okay? First of all, I always think, do you think Lazarus was pissed at Jesus like when he was on his deathbed? Like, I know, I'm serious. This is the kind of stuff, it's so real. Vicky, you wouldn't feel a little disappointed if Jesus was one of your best friends, right? Think about it. We're humans. If one of your, if you were sick and Ralph didn't come, right? Wouldn't you be like, we, we sent, we sent somebody yes. to tell him that I needed him and he didn't come. And now I'm going to die. And he literally dies. He honest to goodness dies. He's in the grave. So now Jesus comes, right? What is, what is, you know, G Lazarus's sisters tell Jesus, Oh Lord, if only you had been here. It's basically like, Hey, thanks a lot, pal, for showing up three days after the guy is dead. A lot of good that does us right now. What do all the people in the town think? Oh, because Jesus is crying, right? Jesus sees Mary and Martha and how upset they are and they're crying. He's crying. They're thinking, oh, he just came for the funeral. He came to pay his respects to his friend, to comfort Mary. No, wrong. Mary and Martha, oh, if you'd have been here in time, you could have done something. Wrong. 
Everybody in town, oh, he's just here to cry about his buddy who died. Wrong. What does he do? He says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the grave, right? He's literally there to bring the dead back to life. He's literally there to take a situation that is totally broken, totally hopeless, totally beyond anything that you could do. I don't care if you're Levi Morgan and you're the 15-time world champion and you made the best shot of your life, the branch was in the way and there's nothing you can do about it. Lazarus was dead and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And he came out of the grave. You found your bull. I told my buddy, you know, I don't know. You might feel like your marriage is over. You might feel like your hunt is over. You might feel like your family is dead. Your future is dead. Your job prospects are dead. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus didn't come here to put his arm around you and cry with you. He didn't come here to have a beer with you. He came here to tell you, if you keep going, if you don't give up and you put your trust in me, I am going to do a miracle. I am going to give you no new life when everything looks dead and people are only going to shake their heads and wonder there's no other explanation for what happened to Ralph than then somebody else was at work that is beyond anything Ralph could ever do. But buddy, again, there's goose pimples because the words, actually the little sermon you just gave is is so true. And and what what we've strived to do, and that's just showed in every day, every day there's a miracle. Whether we see it or not, there's a miracle. And in today's times, with all the crap that's going on, with all the dis, you know, disagreeing here, this dysfunctions and, and all this stuff, all of the crap that's coming down is just burdening, burdening everybody to make them miserable. We truly look at every day as a blessing. And we need to do that. You know, we, we need to, to look up. We need to give God thanks. We need to praise him. And wh- how you just did it, I wish thousands or millions of people could hear this. And I'll tell you why. I was gr- when I was growing up, you know, I went to church. And, and when I went to church, I left feeling like I was a sinner, that I was a bad person. I, I really did. That was, you know, as, as growing up, that was how, you know, the religion that we, we were into and family was. And. And then I met, I met people, and, and Vicky and I went to a church, a, a, a ceremony that totally changed the way we view life. Truly, absolutely, the way we right. Yes, it was. It was the celebration. We we left there feeling like like someone picked us up. We you know what I mean? And 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 what was crazy was the pastor spoke to everybody. And he made connections in the audience that you don't see, you don't, but you feel them and you witness them and when you do that. And and my big thing is putting God's words in our redneck vocabulary, making those words understandable in our everyday living situations, just like you did. Buddy, I commend you for how you brought all that in and that, you, you know, that, that's what needs to be said. That's what needs to be heard. And actually, we need people to pay attention to. 
And you know, when you're watching the news and you're watching all the crap that's out there, and, and right, they, and you know, all the conspiracy oh, theories. That's her right there. <laughs> you, you, but the crazy. You got, any, you got any good ones today, Vicky? Oh, you got any new no. ones? <laughs> Always, you know, when they all come true, and then you got to keep looking for more. It's not my fault. I promise. You know, well, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, it's it's God, it's, it's God, cool. and if you let Him in, you, you'll be amazed. And Leo, oh yeah. Well, and and it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to still go through hardship. And no, but, but the no, point, no. but the point is, like I said, you know, it's not operating on our time. You know, I don't know if gas is going to be six dollars next week and seven dollars next month, and there's not a darn thing that I can do about it. I don't know if the wildfire is going to burn right up to your front door and stop. Or if it's going to burn right past your front door and you guys could wake up and have nothing, uh, but 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 what you what you believe is that you know there's more on the other side, you know, and so whatever comes along, like you said, you know, hunting. Let's face it, you know, hunting. We we love it. We're all passionate about it. It's what we live for. Thank God we live in a country, at least until now, who knows if there's a bunch of food shortages this fall, we may actually, for the first time in our lives, say that we need to be bow hunters to feed our families. Yeah. But up until now, really none of us ever would yeah. have had to kill a single animal with our bows to put food on the table. Um, it's it's a metaphor, you know, for for the rest of life. You know, the, the, op, the, the way that we prepare ourselves, the dedication, the the process that we go through the highs the lows the moments of doubt the 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 high mountaintop moments of victory you know that's just that's just a shadow of what we're all dealing with like in real life because let's face it bow hunting thank god you know like i love to be the editor of this magazine because it's not real life you know what i mean like people want to see this in their mailbox every month because this is what we do to escape real life for a little yeah. while, you know, yeah. to, to get away from all those political arguments and and the interest rates and, and, and the wildfires and everything, you know. You know, the big thing, Christian, and, and I think everybody, you know, listening and watching feel the same way. There's no better church than to be in that tree stand, that ground blind, be on top of that mountain and to witness what he's created. And knowing that he's everywhere you're at, Ugh. you just got to look for him. There's yep. so many people that just don't take the time, take a deep breath and realize that he's here with us at all moments of all days. And you just have to ask if you need something, you just ask and he will help you out. That's all you got to do. It may not be in your time. No, it's not in your time. That's for dang sure. But, but he's going to bring, he's, he's going to be with you in the fire. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's yeah. gonna he's gonna move that elk right where I needed him for that last day because well, there's no other explanation that that we feel and and I mean when you guys see it see the show and you see the read the article and see the photos and the video you'll understand it. it yeah. It's well, you know they always say there's there's no atheists in foxholes, and <laughs> I I don't think there's too many like on on mountain ridge tops in September when the elk are bugling either, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, buddy. Cuz that's no. about as good that's about as good of a place as you can get. So, yes. man, that was an awesome story and um I am looking forward to 
having one, book. hopefully, hopefully with not as complicated as yours. No, when I take book. this out there, I want to, I want kind of a boring elk hunting story about how like he, he came in bugling and, and I shot him and yeah, he died. Yeah. Descriptive words to make the story longer. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but you mentioned the FMJs earlier. I just fletched up a fresh dozen five millimeter FMJs and I've got some, uh, muzzy uh mercs that i'm gonna try i don't know if you guys okay. are you guys still shooting muzzies nope no. nap it would be with nap oh that's yeah. right NAP forever Spitfires, yeah. yep and all of them we love awesome them. there's a lot everybody of makes, everybody makes a good head oh, you know, there's a lot of good products out there practice with them yeah. waste a couple shoot them understand them get that figure out your kinetic energy you know what i mean there's you don't have to be shoot like chris you know years ago we had to shoot at, at our shorter draw lengths. We had to shoot 70, 80 pounds to keep your kinetic energy up for different animals. Today, like that bow you got right there, I'm telling you right now at 50 pounds has way more energy than what we had years ago at 80. Yep. Yep. So, well, that's good because I'm, I'm drawing a little bit more than that. So I ought to be really good. And I was excited that, uh, my, I, I went with like the 340 spine on the arrows. They're, they're 11.2 grains per inch. So my finished arrow weight is 366 grains, which is a little bit toward, you know, it's not light. It's not ridiculously heavy, but it's kind of beefy. I'm like, that ought to be real good for elk, I think, a 366 grain arrow with a nice fixed blade cut on contact head. Uh, I can't wait to see how they fly. It's actually a new model that they came out with this year, but we're, we're going to same issue. No, I lie. Yours is in the September issue. The August issue, which is just about to come out, we did our annual broadhead test and the Merc, the Merc uh, looked pretty decent in there. So I was like, I'm going to give that one, I'm going to give that one a go. And we had an NAP head in there too, which, which also did well. So um, I'm sure that you guys will have no complaints about your set up heading into the fall. Oh, buddy. And, and that's one of the things we love this time of year. And that's playing with everything. You know what I mean? Tuning it up and, and getting it ready and sometimes making a different selection after you did shoot them. You know what I mean? Go, hey, you know, maybe I want to do this or maybe I want to put a little more, you know, FOC in the front end. You, you know, give me a little bit more grain weight. I want that. We're big fans, have always been big fans of heavy arrows, you know, more kinetic energy. Um, just, I don't care the speed because first off, you know, sound travels faster than any arrow that we can ever shoot. So that animal hears that before. What I want is when I'm shooting at my McKinsey Delta targets, I want when that arrow hits it, it moves. When it moves, I'm like, yeah, baby, it's going to do what I need it to do. And same with Vicky's setups and RJ's and Aubrey's. We like that little bit more punch. Absolutely. So. Great show today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, no charge to anybody for our little sermon segment. Um, <laughs> you can you can watch the hunt that we talked about today. Uh, have RJ probably more than one episode, right? Do you guys break that up into two shows, or is it all in one? Episodes. Yep, it's yep. two episodes so, on our choice. On Archer's choice on Outdoor Channel. It'll be yep. airing. Coming up here later this summer, early fall. I want to say it's show five and six of the season, so it would be in August. And yeah, early August. All right, so later right this summer, season. right before the season, to get you fired up for yes, elk season, right. you want to tune in to Archer's Choice 
with Ralph, Vicky, RJ. Get to see all that gorgeous scenery, the bugle and bulls. RJ's probably great shot. Ralph's not so hot shot. <laughs> and, and then the big tearful ending at the end. Maybe are you are you are you crying on camera, Ralph? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think he got a little misty there for sure. I mean, he wasn't it like was, blubbering. There, by there was fog. There was fog. There was mist in the air. That's all. It was, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Well, it's nice to know that after all these years, though, you can still get worked up over. Um, oh ever, yeah! Listen, if we didn't, we'd quit. <laughs> That's what I always say. So yeah. it's about it's about as good as it gets when it all comes together, and that's what uh, makes all the the non successful days, at least in terms of harvest. Because as you said, you know, every day in the woods is success, yeah. but yeah, right. the, the the few moments when it all happens just like it's supposed to make all those days leading up to that, you know, worth it, well worthwhile. So, guys. I always enjoy the chance to catch up. So happy we were able to do this. So happy you were able to do that article for the September issue. Wish you guys the best of luck in all your hunts this fall. And um, hopefully we can do it again before too long. All right, bro. Hey, like and good luck with the Hoyt. I yeah. know you're going to love it. And good luck in Montana. Yeah. When you yeah. can be in Montana? Um, September well, I'll head out probably on the 14th, but my elk hunt goes from like the 16th to the 23rd, but I'm probably actually going to be there most of the rest of September because I've got a big game combo tag. So I've got an, a deer permit as well. So if I hunt like the whole week for elk and need that whole week, then I'm going out with John Silks and he and I are planning to stay like a whole yep. nother week in the area just so we can kind of hunt deer on our own. Uh, we're hunting with an outfitter buddy that we have out there, J&J &J Guide Service. But uh, so he'll guide us for elk for a week and then we'll stick out there and try to use those deer tags. If we don't happen to, you know, shoot a deer or something during the elk hunt, too. Right. You just never know if a giant mule deer, you know, happens to just walk out in front of you in the middle of the elk hunt. That's kind of nice to have both tags. In you got to seize that opportunity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Time, dude. We'll be out well, in Montana. I'll make sure to, I will make sure to text with you guys during that time and see how you're making out. And uh, yeah. hopefully we both have some good stories to share. Amen, brother. Amen. Absolutely. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand. Or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com. Dot com.